From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Vern Jewett, and welcome to the Holiness Podcast. Uh, we're glad you're with us this month, and we are going to finish our series on the missionary journeys of Paul as they're recorded in the book of Acts. We have looked at uh, how the Holy Spirit has guided uh, Paul and his team, how he has guided them through times of adversity. And last month, we looked at the leading of the Holy Spirit in that amazing crisis uh, of the Jerusalem Council, which changed the direction of Christendom, actually, and was uh, one of the most important uh, events recorded in the history of the book of Acts. Today, we're going to go to the end of the story of Paul's journeys, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 20, and a very important and uh, interesting meeting that Paul had with the leaders of the church at Ephesus. And our topic is going to be very specific, because as Paul addresses them, and it's the final time he will address them, he talks to them about their calling by the Holy Spirit to shepherd and encourage each other in the church. And so we're going to be looking at how that happens and use Paul's very heartfelt uh, time with the Ephesian elders in order to open that up. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 16 through 28. And I'm going to be challenge, challenging all of us to think about our ministry. You know, the reality is we are all ministers. There are persons with specific responsibilities, but Paul makes it very clear that we are all called to be shepherds and pastors uh, in our own fellowship of believers. And it's an amazing thing in the book of Acts. Uh, the work of the church includes in it very naturally both evangelism and encouragement. So beginning with verse 16 of Acts chapter 20. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived with you the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, 
compelled by the Spirit. I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Well, very interesting passage. Paul is headed for Jerusalem, very anxious to get there. He needed to bypass the Ephesians, but he just couldn't completely because he had ministered to them for two and a half years. So he sends for the Ephesian church leaders to meet him in Miletus, which is 30 miles uh, for them to travel. Now, is this Paul's greatest speech? We've seen him in very different circumstances, more brilliant, more argumentative, more flashing, more keen in reply and dialogue, but we've never seen Paul more grandly emotional. This is not Paul the intellectual speaking now. His heart is going to speak, and he's reflecting and teaching by reviewing his own ministry. And I believe we can gain by quietly observing this remarkable, honest, plaintive, pleading voice of the apostle, his last words to the Ephesian elders. Now, there are three questions and answers, uh, three main points that I would like for us to draw out of this passage. And I would like for us to begin at the end of the passage because. That's where the lesson is, and work our way back through. So in verse 28, we are told what we must do. And this is your calling and my calling, to be a shepherd. Verse 28 reads, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So it begins by keeping watch over ourselves. This is where it all begins. You and I must watch our own soul. We must stand guard at our own heart gate. It is a constant challenge, and I think a, a very good word to the church today, that we need to be diligent and take intentional care of our own heart and to watch over ourselves. The reality is that many believers have secret lives and unholy habits, and so they're not able to fulfill this responsibility to shepherd others. Notice that uh, Paul says to them, 
Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, that's the word episkopos. Uh, It's translated bishops sometimes. Elders, shepherds are all interchangeable terms in the book of Acts. There is no ecclesiastical hierarchy that we can discern. Rather, uh, everyone has the responsibility to shepherd each other. So first we watch over ourselves, but then we must be shepherds over all the flock. I think the true minister, and we're all ministers, as uh, we noted, is the miracle of men, not the contemptible gift of loving only one kind of person or only those that are like us. But the true minister is capable of ministering to every person, recognizing that every person is capable of responding to God's grace, that every person has been brought into our lives for a purpose. Every person is capable of beginning life anew, being transformed into a new creation. And here in this context, we are all charged to encourage and shepherd one another. I want to share with you a couple examples uh, from a recent experience I had. I was visiting a very small church, but I observed the ministry of encouragement and shepherding at work in a remarkable way. In fact, I overheard a young mother who was coming from a domestic violence shelter with her teenage son. And after the service, uh, she had been in conversation with several people who had uh, come up to her, greeted her, talked with her. I think they had been coming for several weeks. Her 14-year-old son uh, had made friends with a couple of the young people that were there at the core, even though it was a, at the church, even though it was a fairly small congregation, but I heard her say, and almost uh, with tears in her eyes, you know, this is the very first place we have ever felt welcomed. Well, what a tragedy it is when that doesn't take place. But God, the Holy Spirit, verse 28 tells us, has made us shepherds. So the first question is what we must do, and the answer is we're to shepherd and watch over ourselves, but we are to shepherd each other within our own fellowship. Be shepherds of your flock. Guard them. Guide them. Go before them. Pay attention to them. Not all of us uh, approach our time together in fellowship with the church with that clear understanding that this is how God the Holy Spirit works through each of us. We are to lead each other to green pastures and to still waters. We're to know each other's names. We're to fend for each other and to fight for each other. I believe some of us listening today need to commit ourselves to the pastoral ministry of our church family, 
these last words of Paul, this last charge, tells us this is our calling, and it's the Holy Spirit who has made us overseers. It's interesting, in that verse you find the ministry and power of the Trinity working among believers. In that verse, we're told to be shepherds of the church of God. There's God the Father. We're told that the Holy Spirit has made us overseers, and there is his particular guiding and directing in our lives. And we're told that he bought the church of God with his own blood, and there is the blood of Christ. It is an an encouraging and uh, constant reminder to me every time I'm brought face-to-face with the fact that we live in the power and presence of the entire Trinity because God is one and three in one in such a remarkable way. So what must we do? We're all called to watch over ourselves and be shepherds of the flock. Now I want to back up to the three verses before that and ask another question. Let me read again verses 25 to 27. Now I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. By the way, that would be a startling and troubling thing for the Ephesians to hear. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I want to address a very common challenge in the church. In our denomination at the moment, uh, in the Salvation Army, we're at a point where ministers and pastors are being moved from one church, one set of responsibilities to another, because we have an appointment system. And that is always a a challenging time when uh, the pastor is uh, changed and one comes and one goes. Well, the question I want to ask is, what remains as we come and go? And the answer is, everything eternal remains. And Paul hints at this and makes it clear as he's talking to the Ephesians that the fact that he won't see them again does not change the eternal presence of God. What remains? The church remains, and the church is greater than any member of it, any leader of it. The word remains, and the word is greater than any minister who preaches it, and the blood of Christ remains that bought the church. We can take nothing from Christ's church. Our leaders can come and go. We live in a very mobile society, and I think one of the challenges of churches is to deal with people coming and leaving. But as they come and go, the music of the cross keeps its fullness. Isn't it good that Christianity doesn't depend on great men or little men? It's the gospel that has the power, and the Holy Spirit remains. That 27th verse, for I have not hesitated 
to proclaim to you the whole will of God. What a statement. How can we be careless about the lost? How can we be callous about people that he loves? How can we be complacent about the spiritual condition of each other? God uses us to encourage and bless and shepherd each other. I want to share with you an illustration. I think a couple of years ago I may have shared it before. Sometimes it's hard for us to see how God does that, especially when people come and go. I want to share with you a story from my very first months as a pastor. We were in a small uh, Salvation Army church in Waycross, Georgia, and it was 1979. The absence of men in the church was a real concern, and after we arrived, uh, I discovered that I had one faithful man in the church, and he had quite a remarkable story. He was known throughout the community. He had lived in Waycross all of his life. And he was known as Papa Sam. And for decades, he had been known as the town drunk. He was able to keep a job. He was a lineman with the electric company. Uh, Everybody knew Papa Sam, but they also knew that on weekends, uh, you were just as likely to see him in and out of bars and Uh, stumbling along the street as you were to see him anywhere else. Well, a wonderful thing had happened. A Salvation Army officer had invited him, as she had many, many times, to come to church, and he came to a New Year's Eve meeting, uh, a watch night service, and he was marvelously saved, and he was delivered from his alcoholism. And when we arrived, uh, he became my one right-hand person. There was one man I could count on, and uh, that was Papa Sam. Well, I asked him to give his testimony during one of the uh, observances in the church. We had a a meeting on Sunday evening. We were celebrating uh, uh, the ministry of men, and he had never given his testimony before Uh, from behind the pulpit. He had stood up when we had had uh, kind of open times of sharing. But his whole family came, and uh, he stood up, and he was a a very large man, probably six foot four, uh, well over 250 pounds. He had a big handlebar mustache. He was a wonderful character and uh, uh, a real trophy of grace. He began to share his testimony, and All of a sudden, he stopped, and he had a massive heart attack, and he pulled the pulpit back over on top of him, and uh, he went to be with the Lord that very evening as he was giving his testimony. Well, I can tell you, it was a very hard thing to see uh, and understand how we were going to survive. What were we going to do without Papa Sam? What remains now? We've lost him. And uh, we could not see initially how God would use uh, that very tragic uh, happening 
But the amazing thing that happened is that the men who were on the periphery of the church were so moved by the uh, celebration of life and Papa Sam's story and the amazing conversion and his faithfulness to the church that they began to come and step up. And a few months later, there were a dozen active men in the Corps, and we began a men's fellowship group. And what seemed to be a, uh, a tragedy that could not have good come out of it, in fact, became uh, a wonderful witness to the fact that everything remains as we come and go. The church, the word, the blood, the Holy Spirit. And we need to uh, be grateful and thankful for that. And it should encourage us to be shepherds to one another. Now, I want to slip back one more time to the beginning of the passage that I read, verses 19 through 21. And this is an insight which I think uh, can be helpful to all of us. Verse 19 says, and this is Paul's witness. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Here's the third insight. The first is that uh, we are called to be shepherds. That, what, that is what we must do for each other. Secondly, uh, we recognize that everything eternal remains, even though people come and go. But here's a great insight from Paul as he kind of bears himself to the Ephesians. We live out our calling one person at a time. The real impact of our life is made one person at a time. And these three verses point to that reality. You see, God is at work in our conversations. God is at work in our friendships. The challenge here and the insight is that when we gather as the church, we have a tendency to focus on the worship the corporate worship together. But Paul makes very clear that the work of the Holy Spirit is as we engage one another and encourage one another. At that same church that I visited recently, I saw a great illustration of how that works. Saturday morning, we had a men's fellowship breakfast. Just the men of the church gathered. There were seven or eight of us at McDonald's. Well, while we were there, the, uh, the pastor had picked up some tickets to an afternoon spring football game. Happened to be at a Southeast Conference rival school. Now, I'm a Georgia fan. And actually, I was wearing my Georgia shirt. But when we went to this spring football game, I decided I would not uh, put myself or my cohorts in that position, and, uh, and I changed. 
and I decided I could uh, kind of spy on our, our rivals here at their spring game. And there were seven of us that went, three boys and uh, a young man who's very active in the church and his father who had just begun coming to the church. And while we were together, we fellowshiped. We had a great time. I mean, it was uh, a large crowd. About 40,000 people showed up for the the final spring game. And uh, we had a great time together. The next morning, as uh, my wife and I joined our family and went to the church, we uh, encountered Stephen, who's the young man that went to the church, and his uh, and his father. Uh, we had some nice conversation, and uh, then we had the church service, and wonderful message was preached, and God the Holy Spirit spoke clearly to that father. And I watched at the end of the message as there was a time of invitation and a time of reflection, how the time that had been spent together with the men of the church and in fellowship with his pastor in a setting that was uh, not the church on Saturday afternoon. And then as he had engaged with people, God the Holy Spirit used that encouragement. And before the service was over, I saw the pastor and the father and the son with arms around one another praying together as God used the shepherding of those who had been with that man who was new to the church and made a commitment that morning to the Lord in a wonderful way. Verse 19, where we began to read a moment ago, Paul says, He served with humility of mind. There's a wonderful example here, some great teaching on how we are shepherds to one another. First, humbly, never haughty, never proud. One of the amazing things about the church when it is functioning and the Holy Spirit is uh, using us to minister to one another is that no one is lording it over anyone else. And Paul reminded them that even though he came and spent two and a half years with them, he did so with humility of mind, humbly. He did so with tears. An example of godly sorrow. Uh, You don't tend to think of Paul this way, but here we see Paul's heart. He wept over their sins. He wept over their sadness. He says, with testing and temptations, and then talks about the plots of the Jews, which brought uh, challenges to the congregation. You know, when you're in uh, spiritual warfare and when the Holy Spirit is using you to encourage one another, you are facing the realities of life. There is persecution. Someone has said an untempted minister doesn't do us any good. (laughs) It's interesting. uh, He talks, Paul does in verse 20, about teaching publicly and house to house. One of the things that we could easily miss is that uh, 
there were not gatherings of the church in public places. There were no church buildings probably until the fourth century. In Ephesus, we're guessing there could have been up to 200 house churches by the time uh, they hit the fourth century. And so a small group of people meeting together uh, is how the church ministered to one another. And Paul was faithful from house to house, meeting particular people with particular needs. He talks about both Jews and Greeks. And the wonder of the gospel is that it fits everyone. It fits you. It fits me. As you read the story, you become aware that evangelism and encouragement are the constant work of God in the church. And I believe the lesson for us today is that we need to be called to be faithful shepherds to one another. Verse 21 says, He taught them to turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. You see, Paul is no different than us. He was in daily contact with men and women who are questioning, curious, speculating, discouraged, searching, struggling. Every human situation is present as we gather together and to encourage one another is the way God's Holy Spirit uses us to be shepherds to one another. I love the example I heard many years ago of the fact that everyone you meet is either a Christian or a pre-Christian. Paul said in verse 20, he didn't hesitate to keep anything back that was helpful. Normal life situations where people need to factor in the Lord. It's not helpful to avoid unpleasant truths. It is helpful to talk with one another and encourage one another and face the challenges of life together. And we do so as the Holy Spirit leads us and has called us all to be shepherds to one another. So we've seen that what we must do is watch over ourselves and be shepherds over all the flock. And that's how God's spirit works in our normal, everyday meeting with other believers. I want to challenge you to be conscious and diligent and intentionally careful about engaging one another. One of the tragedies, I think, of uh, mega churches is that it's so easy for thousands of people to come, not engage anyone personally, not engage anyone specifically, be part of a worship experience, but not do exactly what Paul says here is the purpose of the church and the calling of God in our lives and that is to engage one another. It's not surprising that 80% of the churches in the United States average less than 100 in attendance. 
And that's where these wonderful examples and the gift of encouragement and shepherding can be set loose. So, we're called to shepherd each other. We're reminded that everything eternal remains, even if people come and go. God's Spirit, the church, the Word, the blood are all present. And so the power of the Holy Spirit can constantly be set loose. And this wonderful insight, as Paul talks about his specific ministry, we live out our calling by engaging each other, one person at a time. I'm convinced the real impact of our life is life is made that way. God at work, in us, through us, with each other. And there's a wonderful part of the passage that we didn't read. It's just a few verses uh, later. Verse 32, as Paul is summing up what he says to his uh, dear leaders and, uh, and fellow Christians that came from Ephesus, he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul never backs off from the reality that we are all being made holy. We are all called to be sanctified. And this wonderful truth that it happens consciously as we shepherd one another is the message of uh, this passage today. I hope that's encouraging to you. And I want to say this again in closing, which we observed back in verse 28. God the Holy Spirit has made us shepherds, and some of us listening today need to commit ourselves again to the pastoral ministry of our church family. God wants to use you. There's a wonderful truth that I focused on a few years ago in my own life. I don't believe that two Christians can communicate with one another without that communication being mediated by God's Holy Spirit. Because we are one in the Spirit. The same Holy Spirit is in you and me and everyone else who is part of our church family. And our calling, very specifically, is not just to go to church and enjoy the service. But friends, we are called to give ourselves to each other, to be shepherds for one another. And in so doing, we can fulfill the calling of God to care for one another. And the church will grow. We will be encouraged. Uh, as a pastor, I've been tuned into the fact that there are always in every congregation, people with deep hurts, so much going on in our lives. We live in such a busy and challenging world. And the purpose of the church is to address that in a way that the 
work of God through his Holy Spirit, which is done through each other, can make a difference in our lives. And we can truly do, as Paul says, be built up and have our inheritance among those who are set apart, sanctified for Jesus. So there's an encouraging word today, I hope for you, it certainly is for me, that uh, every time we're together with other believers, we have the obligation, the opportunity, and the privilege of encouraging one another in the faith. And God the Holy Spirit does his work as we are faithful in doing just that. Well, we've seen some uh, very interesting lessons. We've learned some lessons and seen, uh, had some insights into how God the Holy Spirit worked as Paul engaged in his missionary journeys. And I hope it's been a a good and helpful study for you. We're going to tackle another topic next month. And uh, this is the Holiness Podcast, so named because God has called us to be set apart for him. And that is our prayer for you. We look forward to you joining us the next time. And until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is Vern Jewett signing off for now. Thanks so much for listening. And we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. 